All right, welcome back. Another episode of the Edtrex Podcast. I'm Quinn Henderson. I'm Matt Winters. And today, on today's podcast, we're talking education and economics. Which is a, a hugely important issue, um, not just locally in Utah, but globally, um, the connection between those two. Right, and we could probably spend a lot more than the next 20 minutes oh, talking yeah. about it. I'm probably not going to solve solve all of that, but it'll be great to hear and get some Just like 60-70%. Yeah, yeah, that's probably that's probably a conservative estimate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? But we have some guests with us here today to talk with us about education and economics. To my left, we have... I'm Bridget Barrows, and I am Special Education Director at Pacific Heritage Academy. I have been working with kids for the past 17 years, and um, I'm also affiliated with Hope Street Group. I'm a Utah Fellow. And I'm happy to be here today. Great to have you. Wonderful. And to my right, we have uh, Stephen Phelps. I'm a math teacher, high school math teacher, um, also a Hope Street Group fellow, uh, and self-described educational rebel. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's nice. good. We need more of those. That's true. Right. So let's start off. Uh, we can go a lot of different directions with economics and education, but I, I want to start with. I think this is a deeply personal question to start off with, which is, what is your personal standpoint? Where's your intersection between those two? Because I grew up in a really poor school district, didn't have a lot of economic upward mobility in that district. But um, over time, through more education, I became economically upward mobile. Um, so I'm curious what your guys' standpoints are. Matt, I think you nailed it right there. When I was thinking about the topic, I was telling myself, you know, there are, there are not too many people that have, you know, become economically stable without education. Um, maybe I'm just speaking from an educator's point of view, but you do need education in order to be able to contribute to economically to the society or community you live in. Uh, I'm not sure if Stephen agrees with me on that, but... <laughs> um, well, I think there is the benefit of, you know, equity. Um, we talk about economic equity. Uh, too often in America, you know, we see this massive dis disproportion of wealth, right? I think education is, first of all, the key to addressing that. Um, the second thing is... Um, I think we're growing past the point where it's just sort of these one, these one person with great ideas, right? These Bill Gates sort of things to where everybody needs to have great ideas. And that, that's sort of the society we're heading into. Um, and education, I think, is the secret to unlocking that. In addition, I also think that nowadays we can look in most private enterprises, especially tech companies in particular, realize that education is the key for them have for their future as well. And so they're willing to start reinvesting in those and, and those type of things. So I think it's a kind of a two-way street, you know, it, they're, they're so intertwined. Mm. Well, and I, I, you say that, you know, you, these organizations and these companies that are out there realize that yeah, education is really important, but you think about just the nature of a lot of those businesses that are leading the way, they can be highly technical and they require a certain set of skills. And really what's the primary source of getting those skills, and that's that's through the education system. Yeah, and I, I, I tend to agree with you as well. This There's a lot of large companies, especially tech companies. I mean, Adobe just this last week decided to drop its suite for, from like, what was it, like $20 or $100 a student or something like that to 5 bucks a student so that kids would have access to it. I think, what do you, what do you think the role of tech companies in that kind of d d divide or larger companies in that divide kind of play a role? So I think... Um, when I look at this situation, you know, I think overall education for a long time has been very insular, right? Um, funding was strictly from inside the things. You have a few teachers, you know, that, that I was one of those teachers who always went out and got money. 
right? You have those teachers who just, for some reason, they always seem like they can go out and find money. Um, I was one of those teachers, and I think one of the things you see now is people are being more proactive about saying, comes to be more proactive to saying, what can we do to help out? What can we do to help out? And I think that we need to create uh, pathways for those things to happen. Um, the other thing is the idea of equity. If we want our students to grow up and be able to be successful in this highly technical world, schools need to change from being using 15-year-old technology to being the innovations. We need to have the newest technology, our students working on those. And I think things like Adobe lowering that cost, realize that, that if I want kids to come out who understand how to use Photoshop, some of these other programs that we're using, we better make it available for them in the, in the actual school setting because if we price that out too much, it's just not going to be available for them. Other people are going to find other alternatives. Well, and, and along those lines, by making it available now, essentially you're giving them you're giving them the head start. So when they get into a career or something, they're not having to play catch up to, to learn what those skills are that they actually need. They can get out and start to apply skills more quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. As I was thinking as Stephen was talking, um, when we think about the relationship between education and economics, um, you know, you can look at it one way as the labor, the labor-based um, side of, of, of that connection or the knowledge-based side of that connection. I think that knowledge base we're talking about was the technical, no, I'm sorry, the technology and all the things that we need to have in order to uh, make, you know, make that progress for our, our youth coming up. So, but we also look at a labor-based part of that relationship and, and realize that, you know, with, with that education that you were all talking about, making it available for this, for our students, um, open up that um, pathway for them to make more money. So I was just thinking about as he was talking. I don't know if any one of you have anything to say um, based off of that. Well, and I, I I think you're onto something there. It's it's kind of a you know spending a lot of time on Twitter and looking at, at things like ISTE and different uh, um, technology based uh, educational uh, discussions. Uh, they tend to think that this idea of if tech companies provide the tool for free to students they'll be prepared to use the tool in a job. So therefore, if we lower the costs, give it to them for free, it's going to help them in the future. Do you guys actually think that works? Or are you seeing that work in your day-to-day life as a teacher? I think there's a disconnect there. It's it's something that I've noticed in a lot of technologies. Um, Technologies, tech companies in particular, are really great at offering lots of stuff. But they're offering to students, and then they're forgetting about the fact that you you have a group of teachers who may or may not be tech-savvy. So if you're offering a bunch of stuff to, to teachers and they're not ready for it, the fact is it just falls flat on the floor. You know, you can, you can give them the greatest technology in the world, but if we're not training teachers to be ready for that, that that's one of the big disconnects I think we see is, you know, I, I fundamentally don't believe that education technology in particular is really up to where it promised us, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, and if we're going to, the oncoming act, the oncoming changes in the, in the economy and the workforce that need to be requires a very different skill set than it does nowadays even. I don't think it's about teaching a very specific skill. I think it's about teaching adaptability mm-hmm. and the ability to learn new material and change and grow because I think that's the that's where our students today are going to be and they're not going to be in a, in, you know, in a job where they do the same thing for 30 years anymore. Technology is going to revolution that job. You know, Every 10 to 15 years, that job is going to be really different than it was 10 to 15 years before and you have to stay up in time so that education is the same way. So. Well, and you say something there, adaptability, which really stands out to me because I was uh, reading something recently where 
they predicted really in the next couple of years that almost upwards of 60% of the workforce could be contract type employment, right? So and in that situation, you're definitely going to have to be very adaptable, but you have to be equipped with skills to be able to handle handle moving from place to place. You have to be very flexible. So, I mean, you think about how we're preparing students in the system now. Are we preparing with them with those skills to be able to move from one thing to the other, even if they're in the same organization? You know, things move so rapidly that you have to be really that nimble to be able to get to the next level or get off to the next thing. Is, is that something that we're seeing in education now, or are we addressing that? I don't think we're truly addressing that. That's a good point, Quinn, because that's education part of it. You have to, in order to teach a, a, a person, I, I guess that, that belief, that's education. So educating them to be ready for, for those tools we're talking about is, is huge. So I don't think we're quite there yet. So that will be something that we need to, you know, probably take a good look at and work work at it because I, I don't believe we're there yet. Yeah. 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 And I'm going to go back even to something you were saying, Steve. You're saying something about, you know, technology companies, they provide this technology, but the gap, the thing that they're missing is that the teachers aren't really ready for that technology and in integrating it into the classroom. So do you see something out there or, or what what do you think needs to happen to maybe make the most of that technology or is that not the solution at all? Um, that's a great question. I think when I look at it, there's the, the disconnect between sort of public sector and private sector education and, and, and the enterprises of that area has to be blurred. You have to have teachers going into the businesses. Um, one of the things I would suggest any business who wants to really help out education is hire teachers during the summer for short contracts and say, hey, why don't you come in and learn about what we're doing? Because then all of a sudden, not only you, you're helping teachers pay, you're helping retain them in the classroom, but you're also giving them training that shows them what's out there. So that, that that's one way to do it. And the other way from teachers is to say, you know, this is important for us. We need to make sure that we're doing it and per, sort of pursue those opportunities to, to get to know those companies and reach out. There's uh, something I really like that you said, you know, those teachers in the summer working at those companies and those organizations. Not only does it they give them kind of the opportunity to enhance their skills, but I think it gives them the opportunity to bring that insight of what it's currently like in the workforce back to the students, right? So when they're teaching, they're able to make relevant ties to saying, hey, this is why you need this skill. This is why you need to know this math. This is why you need to, to know this because you're going to apply that. And I did that by doing this this summer. So I think it kind of go, can go two ways, but I think that's a really interesting concept and idea. And I think there's an opportunity there to maybe create those types of situations where teachers can get out and get into those organizations and, and learn. I, I, and I think this begs a question, all of us though, is that is because what we're, essentially what we're talking about is professional development to train teachers to understand how to use the technology that they need to employ in their classroom. Wow, that was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but what was it again? Is that responsibility to, to learn the technology? Is that the responsibility of the teacher? Is that the responsibility of the district to push the teachers to work or provide the professional development? Is it on the companies? Is it on the students to demand it? Is it on the universities to teach it? I mean, there's a lot of different levels there of responsibility. And where does it, where, where does the buck stop, basically? What do you guys think? I think as a community, we need to come together. I don't think anybody should be demanding of it. I think we need to make the, the program appealing to the teachers. Um, and I think it should, should be a roundtable discussion. And how it plays out should be all the stakeholders should buy into it to make it happen. That's what I think. I think, you know, kind of along those lines, it, to me it's 
I don't think it can be one group. I think it has to be sort of a people getting around a table and having conversations. Uh, you know, part of that is setting up is, is through, you know, the governor's office or legislators, those type of people, setting up opportunities, setting up opportunities that encourage it, not just say, hey, you know what, we want to do this, but actually setting up encouraging opportunities uh, that would help teachers get out there. Um, that's one way to do it. Uh, I think it's really hard when we look at the future to know how we're preparing our students if we don't, because, you know, the future, we don't know what it's going to look like right now. We know it's going to be utterly different than it is currently, so how do I prepare a kid who's in sixth grade who may not be in the workforce for another 15 years? How do I prepare that kid for what his future is going to be like at that point in time? I, it may not be such a standard like, well, he has to know how to do this or he has to know how to do this. It's, maybe it's more he needs to know how to learn how to sort of have these skills. I think it's about changing sort of our focus from this idea of, just a simple concept base, like instructional, like I need my kids to know this in mathematics, right? To, I need my kids not only to know this in mathematics, but I need to look at their habits as a human being and what they're doing that's actually making them successful and focus on those sort of things. That sort of growth mindset idea is part of it. Um, but it can't just be on one person. It does have to be, you know, sort of a guiding, a sort of a guiding committee saying, look, this is important. Yeah, it's so. basically sitting, sitting at that table and going, what can I do? What can I do in my role um, where I'm at? What can I affect? And just what can I do? And if everybody's at the table saying, what can I do? Then I think you can start to have that impact, and that's where you start to come together. Yes, right? Yes. So I, I, I think, too, I, you know, if you're talking about economics, right, and those organizations out there that they know they need a strong workforce coming into it, it reminds me of, a, of an experience I had probably in the last year. But um, Google was was here with a project um, working on it, and the question came up. Basically, you know, why? Why are they doing this? Why are they here? Why do they want to explore this type of project with us? What's in it for them? And that, that was basically my answer to the p person asking that question was, well, they know they need to invest in these kids now because those will be future Google employees. And if they can invest in ways that they know have been successful for them as an organization and where they're going, then then they're definitely going to get better quality candidates and better quality people and be able to further what they're trying to accomplish. And so I think there are some organizations out there that do see the big picture of investing in education. But like Steve mentioned, is is how do you do that? And how do you do it effectively mm -hmm. without cutting out an important stakeholder, especially the teacher? Well, two things on that. One, uh, I have to say it's not just they're going to be the employer, but they're going to, these are their users. Right, I mean, exactly. and not, uh, Even yeah. in school, mm -hmm. they're the users. I mean, uh, our district, or Weaver School District uses Google all the time. I'm sure a lot of other districts do as well. So we got to think. They got to think about that too. Are they going to be effective users? But then secondarily, this kind of all that this whole conversation begs the question: Is Utah doing this? Is it preparing students? Is it preparing teachers to to fulfill these needs? And I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts are on that. I, I think that's a work in progress. Um, I'm not sure how Utah stands compared to the rest of the nation. Uh, it's it's really it's. It's easy to criticize yourself when you're living in it, um, you know, but I'm, I'm sure I, I have to say something about the governor and, and how interested he's been in education and making things possible um, for, for education as a state. So that's impressive, and I think we're, it's a huge work in progress, and we're, we have a long ways to go before, um, before we can say we're comfortable 
and where we need to be. Yeah. Before I turn that over to Steve, I just wanted to say I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking about education for those people out there. Education doesn't have to be a formal type of education. Not every child is going to go to college. And I can tell you that as a special education uh, person, teacher, uh, there, are all, there are a lot of other things children and students can do to help them be successful that we call education. It doesn't have to be the, the formal um, go to high school, go to college. Well, I think you, tell you have to go to high school, but go to college, go to high institution. I just thought I'll put that out there for our listeners. There's a lot of things that our students can do to help them be successful that we also can call educating children. 100% yeah. agreed on that. I mean, Absolutely. being a classroom educator, that's something that I run across, and I'm sure all of us in the room run across every day. It's, yeah, you, you college is great, but so is going to a trade school, so is going into the military, so is, you know, getting on the job experience. And I think too many students get into that dualistic thinking of it's either I'm going to go straight into the workforce or I'm going to go to college and get a degree. But at seeing both sides of that, because I've been a college educator and a K-12 educator, it, it doesn't work sometimes for either side of them. Yeah, and so. I, I listen to that and I, I start to think. And I, I'm already, like, thinking of some of the students I have and, and where they would go or what would be best for them. But but what I don't want for them is them to finish their high school career here and think learning is done, right? And so how do I instill in them that learning is, is constant? And if we continue learning regardless of the source, source, whether it's college, whether it's on the job, whether it's just personal and professional development and whatever it is that we do, how do we how do we get them to be that constant and forever learner? We well, don't we oh. don't sorry, I'm sorry, man. No, you're we, good. We we don't wait till they get to high school to tell them that. We tell them that right from when they start kindergarten. It's an everyday process. We we start telling them. We start asking them what they want to be when they grow up. We start talking about we have that conversation when they're very young. And in school, we don't wait till high school where it's too late when they get to high school because they already made a decision what they want to be by then. Yeah, well, I hope so, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to add on to that because it goes to what Steve was saying earlier about mm-hmm. habit building instead of skill-based learning. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can add on to that, Steve. So I think um, when we look at education as a whole, if we're talking about student and their growth and how they're going to be prepared for the next, the next sort of idea, the next sort of level of their life, it's really hard to prepare somebody if, if, if we really don't know what it's going to take. But we do know it's going to take really high technical skills. We do know sort of these generic sort of skill bases, right? Um, part of it has to do with blurring the lines. Uh, but I think there's a very – in today's society, we're seeing more companies be proactive about how they're interacting with societies as far as, like, helping to create societal norms, right? I think one of the things we need education companies to do is when they go into a place – or technology companies or any company to do – when they go into a place that say, we want to open up this here – don't look for a tax cut. Stop looking for a tax cut. Stop looking for benefits for you and start saying, what are you doing to make sure that my workforce is here? Uh, before I was an educator, I did a bunch of sales. Uh, worked about 10 years in sales in various call centers and stuff like that. Utah was one of the destinations of call centers because we had such a populace of bilingual speakers. So people would come here just for that skill. That's what companies are looking for is what skill can you provide me? And if that's what we need to have, it may be that you know we, we say, okay, we're going to have highly technical skills. And part of that requires blurring of the lines of saying, well, where does tech fit in? Um, you know, I think mathematics is one area where you can teach coding in conjunction with mathematics, and they both work so beautifully together that it deepens understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have to look for those opportunities, but that's something that most teachers aren't going to have that skill set to say, okay, I'm going to take this here and mathematics here and blend them together. Most teachers aren't because we were taught in this discipline or that discipline. I think part of it is we start blurring these ideas of, 
disciplines and mathematics is just this one thing and start saying, okay, this is really what it looks like for the future. Technology is going to be across all boundaries and how do we get it there? Well, that points to the idea that the, the workforce that is of the future is an interdisciplinary workforce. Mm-hmm. It's not one, I'm not math, I'm not English, I'm both. Yeah, and I, I, I'm listening to, to Steve say that, and and what I, I kind of think of, and when I think of economics, just having business degrees, is, you know, supply and demand. And really, the demand out there is for a certain set of skills, and you have to look at that demand just not on a, a broad national scale. you got to look at it within your community and say, you know, the demand is really highly technical skills because that's the type of business we want to attract in, in our state or in our area. And so what do we need to do to supply that? Because do we feel like we are undersupplying that right now? I, I mean, my my initial gut instinct is that maybe we're 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 probably undersupplying what the demand is. I think that's absolutely we we see that mm-hmm. um, all over all over the U.S. Right. There's just not enough people graduate with those, and part of it is I think we're teaching. We 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 started this conversation years ago about college and career readiness, right? And it sort of morphed into college. And we forgot about the career aspect. There are lots of careers. I have kids all the time. Like, what do you want to do? I want to be a computer programmer. I'm mm-hmm. going to go to college. I'm like, you don't really <laughs> no. need to actually yeah. go to college. Mm-hmm. We should have programs that allow students to graduate. And this yes. shouldn't just be the exception. It should be you can graduate with this degree. You can graduate with this licensing or this endorsement so that you can go straight into a workforce and start working. Start, you know, instead of waiting until college to do a lot of these things, bring them into the high schools. Bring yeah. them earlier on. Yeah, that, that's there's a, a very subtle thing in there when you say college and career ready. You're not saying college and or career ready. I mean, so you're, you're really just saying college and career ready. So you could go into a career because you have a set of skills and still do college at the same time um, to continue to build those skills. Everybody thinks or a lot of people think or our students think sometimes that it's just a very sequential, fixed, rigid path to get to your career. Okay, I've got I've got my undergrad or my my public education that's done i've graduated high school now i'm going to go do my undergraduate and then i'll do graduate maybe and then i'll go on on to a job then i'll finally have a career but that that path could be different for everybody yeah. it should be different for everybody it really should well. be yeah it should be it was very different for me it was definitely very different for me and i i don't regret it for a second um that path because i learned along the way what I needed to do, and that helped me kind of get in the groove that I needed to get into to really have a satisfying career. I think that's a great way, place to end right there, actually. I think there's some wonderful thoughts in there. Um, so where can we find you guys out on the Internet? What kind of ideas, or where, where can we find you? Well, you found us through um, Hope Street Group, and I think that's a good place for uh, other people to be able to reach us. It's uh, Hope Street Group, uh, Utah Fellows. What's it again? U- HopeStreetGroup.org. Group. Right. Thank you, Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you can follow uh, me on Twitter at the Kilton Math underscore T and Hope Street Group is at HSG underscore Utah or UT. Well, that's great. Thanks so much for being here, guys. And thanks, thanks Matt. for all you do in education. Thanks, Quinn. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.